Hey, seasoned athletes, I'm Robin Leggett, and we are back with a brand new season of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. And today's episode is episode number 52. Seasoned Athlete is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from competitive athletes representing a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. To learn more about this podcast and see show notes from this or any episode, visit seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, I would love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Today's guest is Bob Ashcraft. Bob has a pretty wild life story, and quite frankly, it's hard for me to encapsulate it into a short intro. It's a story of trauma, dreams derailed, illness, struggle, and ultimately, dedication, drive, and overcoming. Throughout all of it, Bob has maintained a sense of humor and unique point of view, which you will hear throughout his interview. So I'm just going to stop right here and let Bob tell his story. Here is Bob Ashcraft. Hi, Bob. Hi. How are you doing, Robin? I am great. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners? Yes, very seasoned. Very seasoned and hopefully <laughs> very knowledgeable. Yes. You are Robert Ashcraft, a.k.a. Bob Ashcraft of Allentown, Pennsylvania. Over the last 40 years of your life, you have faced a number of trials, from major accidents to devastating illness. And yet, thanks to a commitment to physical activity, you've stayed resilient, you've become stronger, you've improved your stamina to the point that you are now running Spartan races. Yours is a story of survival, healing, and overcoming, and I look forward to getting into all the details with you. But first, I'm going to ask the big question that I ask all my guests. What is your age at this moment in time? 66. Wonderful. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. What did your early athletic life look like? Did you play sports or were you active when you were younger? Yes. When, well, real young, I played uh, baseball when I was, you know, six, seven years old and up through. And then in high school, I uh, went into football my freshman year. And on the first day of school, I got an appendectomy. <laughs> Things started happening <laughs> yeah. right away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's my story in my life. I go to do something and I end up accident or I get sick or something. So my freshman year was totally trashed. So in high school, because when I grew up back then, you really didn't have any formal sports like they have now for the younger kids. And to lose a whole year of football of freshmen, I just couldn't go into it because no practice for whatsoever. So what I ended up doing was I did cross country. And the cross country was mainly just to prep me for wrestling. And so for three years, I did cross country and wrestling. And in cross country, I ended up being number two on the team. And but in wrestling is where I really shined. I was the what they call the Lehigh Valley League championship uh, champion. And we had one. It was the best wrestling team we had. We had eight of the wrestlers go to the finals and four of us won the finals. And the record we hold still stands. We are undefeated in the league year. And the record, then, st the record still stands to this day. Yes. Wow. Yes. So then I'm, I was going to go, or I did go to Shippensburg uh, College, 
and I was to start my wrestling collegiate career. But I was in a play in the fall before wrestling started. And the last day we could go home and visit family was in October. And we went back home and I was with four girls and we were driving back and I was in the killer seat and the girl driving fell asleep and she hit the gas and hit the car in front of her. And I ended up going out through the windshield. And then when the car hit, I got brought back into the car. When I came into the car, it ripped my face off oh my and, and my nose. And so that ended my wrestling career in college. So I struggled. You know, I, I quit school. I was very disenchanted with having everything interrupted. I went out and tried to become a rock and roll star. <sighs> And, and this was it, after just just to clarify, because it, there was probably a very long rehab. Yes. Back from this. Yes. And 87 stitches and a new nose. Oof. The doc- doctor actually said, who do you want to look like? Robert Redford, Paul Newman. Are <laughs> you going to have a fresh start, a completely fresh yeah. start? Because you're getting a brand yeah. new face. Exactly. What did you what did you what was your answer? Your boy, the Paul Newman. Paul Newman, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> who I got to meet later in life, which oh, is wow. really. Did yes. you tell him this story? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. So what ended up happening was, is I went ahead and got a job with Kmart. And I was one of the department managers and I gotten transferred. I was, this was in, I was in Pennsylvania and I got transferred up to Massachusetts and on Thanksgiving, my parents lived in Philadelphia. I had Thanksgiving dinner with them, got in the car and drove up um, to Massachusetts. I lived in Bedford. I don't like where this is going. Yeah, and so I'm I'm going through, you know, uh, Rhode Island. I'm falling asleep. So I have the windows down, just trying to stay awake. I had my two labs in the back seat. And just as I get into Massachusetts... Uh, on 95 and 95 was under construction. They were making it into six lanes. I fell asleep and went off the road and I woke up to the car crashing into these big boulders and my spine snapping. So the car bounced off and it's careening down the side of the road. And I saw my life passing very quickly by me. The car comes to a stop. I was in a Ford Pinto, which was known for explosions upon impact, and I could smell the gasoline. The car buckled into the V, and the transmission was next to me. So I go to try to move, and I can't. Uh, My arms Your back's broken. Back's broken, paralyzed from the chest down. So I smell the gasoline. I'm freaking out. So finally, with my hands, I I get enough weight off of the buckle to unbuckle it. And the windows had popped out. And, well, they were actually down on the side. And I was kind of hanging up in the air. So I crawled out and fell into the mud. And they said that's what saved me because it was in the 20s and the mud froze my back. And about four or five hours later, a cop came by, saw me, revived me. They got me in the hospital at 5.30 in the morning, and um, I was definitely, you know, paralyzed with that. And the doctors put me on life support because I couldn't breathe on my own. 
and they, my stomach wasn't working. The intestines, nothing was working except the heart and lungs. So they had everything getting extracting everything. And it was also it was at St. Anne's, which is a teaching hospital and also a Catholic hospital. So they had the big whiteboards and the students would come in several classes every day and they had me diagram and had all these diagrams on the board. And so I was part of the class and it came they probably down. didn't expect to have a case study quite like you. No, yeah. no, not at all. But well, the thing is, you, I was 24 yeah. when this happened and the nurses felt so bad because here's this young guy who's like basically hanging on by a thread. They would come in with their guitars and sing to me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm there seven days and they can't operate because I die because the liver's not working. I just, you know, they give me anesthesia and I just go into no zone. So seven days go and the neurologist and orthopedic are outside the room. And the neurologist says, look, you got to get a hold of his parents so they can come up and see him before he dies. And the orthopedic says, well, if he's going to die, I'd like to try an experimental operation. Well, they were out in the hallway, and they thought I didn't hear this at all. So (laughs) they come in, and they say, do you want your last rites? We're going to try an operation. So the priest comes in, gives me my last rites. And with the operation, it was an experimental operation. And what they did is they used a kidney dialysis machine to circulate the blood so that they could control the anesthesia. The other experiment was that I was really the first person to have back surgery where they did not put me in a cast. So what they did is they took Harrington rods that looked like the old bumper jacks with a little hook on them that went under the bumper, but they had those little hooks on both ends of the rod, and they jacked the spine back into place. Oh, my gosh. And then they took wire and wire L1, 2, and 3 back together. Because they were, I guess the best way to explain it, when you see a windshield shattered into a million pieces, but the windshield's still together, that's how the L1, 2, and 3 looked. So they put that all back together, and obviously I made it through. And I was in the hospital for a month, and they got me so I could walk with a walker on it and they had a corset a metal corset that I strapped on when I would get up so they flew me back and I stayed with my sister for a little bit and then what I did I went and got my own place and ended up going back and finishing college and a year and a half later they went did another operation and took the rods out so with taking the rods out, it was about, a, I guess, a total two-year time frame to where I could walk on my own without any braces, walkers, canes, or anything at all. Which is pretty miraculous in and of itself that that even happened. Yeah, because if you would have seen me back then, I was under 100 pounds. And I'm five foot eight, and normally I'm like 160. So to lose that much weight on that frame... You know, there's not much left at all, at all. So one side thing that they ended up discovering as I would go back for my checkups is that I ended up with hepatitis, what they called non-A, non-B. 
and that was back in the 80s. And then it turned into, in the 90s, Hep C, which everyone is familiar with. And then what had happened was in the 90s, it got aggressive. And with the aggressiveness, it started to attack the liver. And so my liver went into stage four disease. Then in 1999, as I would drive, I would lose feeling in my legs. So I went back to the doctor and I said, the orthopedic, and I'm there while, you know, it comes down to the end of the day. I can't even move my right leg. I have to drive with my left leg. And he took an x-ray and he said, well, I can tell you why. You don't have a disc between L5 and S1. And he said, probably what happened is the rods were sitting the bottom part of that hook uh, in between L5 and S1. And when they took it out, they didn't align the spine up correctly. And over time, it cut the disc in half. Mm. And then the disc disappeared. So they put a cage and two screws in. And then as they're testing everything, they noticed that my nerves aren't working right. And I knew before that in my right leg, I lost 30, 40% of my nerve control in my right leg. My right leg is also an inch shorter. And so I have a slight limp when I walk. I try to hide it. And uh, when I get tired, I really limp because the right leg just is not as strong as the left leg. So one, and the pain was very, very tough with all this. So they, so what they did was they did what they call a rhizotomy. And did you ever hear a rhizotomy before? I have not. Okay. What they do is it's like taking a soldering gun, but it's very thin, like a needle. And they put it in your back and they burn the nerve off your spine. And they did it in two different operations. They went from about T10 down to S1. And it took them three hours to go down was a four vertebrae. And what they do is with the needle, you're awake because when they hit the nerve, you scream. And then they turn it on and burn the nerve off oh, your spine. That's, that's how they know. Yeah. <laughs> that they got the nerve. That. That's the only yeah, way they exactly. know, right? Oh, great. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So about three hours was all anybody could take. And so they did it in two different operations. And while they're doing this, they notice that my hands and feet aren't reacting properly. They're wanting to see, you know, how well did the operation walk? And they say, well, his fingers don't respond a certain way. He can't grab on real well because I can push his fingers apart very easily. So they went and did uh, some more scans and everything, saw all the white spots in my brain, which is indicative of MS. So they determined that I have multiple sclerosis on top of the liver disease, on top of the hep C, and on top of the back. My goodness, Bob. Yeah. So I, I go into a special study. In this special study, it was, why do people get MS? And they, the results of the study was that MS is a secondary disease. People have a primary disease that weakens the body and allows the onset of MS. And for me, it was the hep C that weakened the body and then allowed the MS to onset. Mm. So now during this time... I've explained two accidents. So yes. back in the 80s, I hit a deer. So that's number three. 
Now, the, what I call the funniest accident, which wasn't funny at the time, but when you tell it, people can't believe that it happened. I was in a Burger King and a drunk drove through the front door and hit me. Because of, because of course, because yeah, of course they it, hit you. It, 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 yeah, it would only be me, nobody else, you know, right, right. on it. So I end up in the hospital. I didn't break anymore. This was um, like 92, 93. And it didn't break any more spinal uh, vertebrae or anything. It just caused a lot of swelling. So I was in the hospital four days until the swelling settled down. This one was more of an annoyance than anything else, it sounds like. Yeah, it was. You know, <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, like, seriously. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, so now through the 90s, I think I was pretty good. And then <laughs> did it have after, any major accidents then? Yeah, um, yeah. So like you, that, you need, one, two, three, four. Yeah, you, you need know. one of those signs like this many days without a car hitting yeah, you or yeah, an accident. Like you a need to have day, one of those at a, all times. A little day counter going yes. on in the brim of my hat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's good that you can laugh about all of this now, by the way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so what ends up happening is that now, 2003, I go to the gym. And that's one thing that through most of this, especially when the 90s, I would uh, try to go to the gym. And what would happen is as it got, um, the, the liver disease got worse and the hep C started to really grow, my life became challenging. So I ended up trying to go to the gym just to try to counterbalance everything. And it really started to, um, be a problem you know it was like going to the gym in the morning getting up and you have the pain and you don't feel it but you know with liver disease and hep c you're you're tired you're tired but i would drag my ass to the gym and just to try to keep some muscle tone so then 2003 hits and i'm leaving the gym i get there at five in the morning i come out and it had snowed pretty heavy well, I'm driving and I go through an intersection. No, man. No. Yeah. And my head hits the window and everything. I'm sitting there and the next thing I know, I can't move. I had a, a, exasperation of MS. I lost my nerve control in my body, my whole body. I'm just late. I'm just in the seat. They go and so they put a um, hospital bed in the family room so that it could be around the family and at least watch TV. And then in the morning, the neighbor would come over, help my wife get me in the car and they'd take me to rehab. So they had to start with all the digits on my toes and on my fingers. And it was like a baby. I had to reconnect everything. And he would go, I remember going with your little finger, okay, move your little finger. And he would push it to try to reconnect the brain to the nerves, to the fingers, to the toes. And it took three months and they got everything reconnected again. So, you know, it's just challenge after challenge, you know, keep coming through on it. And then I go and I hit another deer. Crying out loud. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you just and need to move somewhere with less snow and fewer deer. <laughs> yeah, really. And so with that one, I end up in the hospital because 
I mean, a, a huge buck. And my spine swelled up and I couldn't move. And they go in, they wait for the spine to settle down and everything, you know, goes back. And then I'm okay. I go in rehab for a month or two because this one had affected me pretty heavily and going back. So during this time in, uh, from like 2000 on, I've gone through uh, two MS treatments and now they give up on them because they say with your type of MS, the, the treatments we have are people with severe MS. Mm-hmm. You have, I guess, if you want to call it ms light, But um, they started the uh, hep C treatments. And with the doctor internist, I was his worst case. And he said, you know, you have like 10 million little hep C guys per drop of blood. And he said, if any new drug comes out, I want you to try it because if it works for you, it should work for anybody at all. So he went and um, every new drug came out. I give mm-hmm. it a whirl. But you the were, thing, you were yeah, the guinea pig forever. I was a guinea pig. And, but yeah. the thing is, people don't understand, that's six months of treatment. Oof. And these treatments knock the crap out of you. I mean, that's I intense mean, to be throwing all these different drugs in your system yes. in a six-month period of time. Yeah. And, I, you know... The biggest thing that happens with hep C treatments is that your red cell count drops. They really have to monitor it because it's really, really, really bad. And so I end up with a pretty big, you know, issue every time I go in because I'm still trying to work on this. So you imagine, you know, I'm sick and I'm trying to work. And one time at work, I'm the client knows me. He knows my situation. And I'm sitting there talking, doing my work and having a discussion with him. And I pass out. I fall on the floor. Just right in the middle of the conversation. (laughs) Right in the middle of the conversation. I'm down. Luckily, the guy knew and everything, you know, about me, wakes me up and he says, what can I do? (laughs) And I'm there. It's okay. Just let me relax and I'll go home. And stuff. And you say, you sure you don't need someone to drive you home something? No. <laughs> right. Because these are the things that happen. Yeah. I mean, when you have this, I, you know, falling down is common. One, because my legs are crap. And then two, with all this other, you're tired and it's like you drag and you just fall. Yeah. And so when you see the doctor, they go, well, how many times have you fallen this month? That's just a part and, of the deal. Yeah. It's all yeah. part of it. And the other thing that started happening with with between all these treatments and stuff, I would get these massive headaches. And so I would go to neurologists and they would say, oh, you have brain swelling. And they said, well, that's from the MS. Some effect of what you have is causing brain swelling. And that's why you get these massive headaches. And it it was just one thing after another. And so... I still would go out and try to play golf. I would still go and try to ride my bike. I would still go and determine to, you know, work out. Mm-hmm. I went and tried to do an MS-150 biking, you know, 150 miles. When was that? 2005, around then, a while ago. It's early 2000s, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going through, and believe it or not, I they had it broken up into two days. So you did 75 miles in one day and 75 the second. I actually made it for 75 miles on the bike. I, I look back, I don't know how the hell I did that. 
in my state the way I was. Yeah, because this was fairly early on. And, and you were talking about the post 2000s. This is fairly early on when all this stuff was happening and you did this race. Yeah. But, but the determination that I had was just, you know, I look back and I'm there. I was an idiot <laughs> going and doing that, you know, because you're going in the, in the mountains on these bike rides and stuff. Yeah. So, and everything. So I, but I continued to work out and I, every, I, I would not give up. So finally, three years ago, January, um, a new drug, Harvoni, came out. And so the doctor's trying to get me on the pre-list for it. And so finally, June, he gets me started. I think it was the latter part of June on the drug. And one important thing that I always tell people during this time frame, and I would say kind of, let's say 2010 on, I started to watch what I ate. So like Chef Boyardee, all that stuff went away. Uh, you're just like me. <laughs> yeah. I was way into the Chef Boyardee. And then when I, when I had to make a change, it's like, okay, this has got to go. Yeah. Makes so, a difference. <laughs> it does. So all of a sudden things become organic. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, GMOs are out the door. Right. Now you're reading all the boxes or all the cans or whatever to see what's on all the packaging. And then I made one, uh, one big discovery because now this is going to be my fifth treatment. And the treatment I had before, my hep C count actually went to zero. Huh. But as soon as I stopped doing the drug, it went back up to 10 million. <clears throat> so... And I, I bought bottled water before is what I would drink. And the refrigerator had a charcoal filter on it. So that was filtering the water. So what I, I was reading up on water purifiers. And I found out that the charcoal filters only take the metals out, but there's all these other chemicals in water. And they said, well, you can boil the water, you know, do all these other things to get rid of the chemicals and stuff. And I'm there. Ain't going to happen. Right. That's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. So there's um, I found that I'm sure there's a couple others right now, but ProPure makes a pitcher that filters water. But it takes three hours to filter a half a gallon of water. And it extracts most of the chemicals out of the water. So what happens is, is that I was drinking the water, only that. I was very, very religious about this. And in about two, three weeks, I could feel a difference, a real difference. This surge of energy came in. And then I started the drug treatment. And then I think that... One, cleaning up what I ate with food, but two, cleaning up the water is what? Because this drug dropped me to zero, but then afterwards, it, it I stayed at zero with it. Yeah. And I think I just had to give my body some assistance to help fight this besides the drug. And so, now remember, I still have stage four liver disease. Mm -hmm. So a year later, Last January, they did all the liver tests and that disappeared. And they just did them again this past January and everything's still at zero. 
Wow. Uh, and you're you're continuing to eat clean. You're continuing to drink yes. the, the ultra purified water. Yes. So now I'm back a year ago and I'm feeling better because it took about a year for the for the um, body to really get rid of all the drugs. Yeah. And for sure. not only sure. that, it, it took over a year to get the red cell count back up. Mm-hmm. That was down, I don't know, six, seven or something. And to get that buck back up to, I think, 14 is the normal it's supposed to be at. So I'm starting to feel better. So now I'm working out. And so I'm reading, okay, I want to take care of my body. And I want to make sure I have um, good protein in. So I found Dr. Axe, and there's other ones out there, I'm sure, too. But Dr. Axe has the um, bone broth protein. And that took me from where, let's say, before I was benching 125, and um, I went up to 225 in my benching. I went from, let's say, uh, doing uh, other curls of, like, let's say, 50, 60 pounds up to 120. This is that. all within the last year or so. Right? Yes. Yeah. It actually happened in about a six month period. Wow. Dedicated workout and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Protein so, supplementation, specific protein supplementation in the in yes. meeting. Yeah, yeah. With it. And it, it, it's so important because as you if you go and work out hard and you aren't replacing with protein to rebuild the muscles, you're gonna get sick. Yeah. Because you're you're just ripping your body apart is what you're doing. And my squats, I used to do like 200 pounds. I do 540. Wow. Yeah. I That big of a difference. I've had a trainer for 20 years, and he can't believe the change. Well, especially so, everything that you've been through over these 20 years. Yeah, he helped me walk again twice. Yeah, and now you're you're squatting 540, like yeah. in your in your 60s. Yeah. And then five years ago, I had my knees replaced. So I have metal knees on top of everything. So you're bionic now. Yeah. So now I'm bionic. Yeah. And the doctors, everyone said, well, you can't run with metal knees. You're like, like oh, okay. Well, yeah, <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm going to listen to them. <laughs> oh, oh. So I, I don't have the metal knees done, right? And that was uh, in November. And it was actually kind of five years ago. In February, this happened. So I've gone through and I'm starting to feel better with the knees. It takes about nine, 10 weeks. And I go and um, it snowed heavy. There was like a foot of snow that we had. And then a day later, we had a little rain and then the snow hit again. So we had two feet of snow. Well, we had a canopy over our back porch and we had two dogs and it snowed. So I had to go and clean the deck and steps off so the dogs could go out and do their business. Well, as I'm shoveling the deck, this awning canopy starts to shake and, and it has metal braces. It comes down on my head, cracks my head open and I'm screaming. The wife comes down. Now there's two feet of snow out in the road. She gets me in the car, a blanket on my head, gets me to the hospital, and 28 stitches on my head to put it back together. But you know what? That, that's me. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's me. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Zero days without an accident. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not a car, it's something else. Right. 
you know, with it. So it's it just crazy, really crazy. So, you know, so now I, let's go back to May last year. So I, I work and I travel. And so now I would always work out Friday mornings with my trainer. And I'm at the point now with the one contract I have, I'm not coming home until Fridays. So I'm missing my training with them. He said, well, you know what? I trained a couple guys on Saturday. Why don't you try coming out Saturday? So I come out Saturday, start May. The one guy is a Marine. So now I have a one-hour nonstop Marine workout on Saturdays. So this even hypes up what I'm doing with my weightlifting and everything. So in June, the guy says, why don't you do a Spartan race? I do Spartan races, and I'm there, you're in good shape. I'm there, what the hell is a Spartan race? And so I go up and look, I find out about everything, and I mull it over in June, and I go, you know, I think I'm going to try this. So I sign up for West Point. Um, that was in August. August, I turned 66. So kind of like a week later after my birthday, I go up and I do West Point. And I don't know how it's going to go because I have metal knees, my mm. back, everything else. You've although I'm working. It. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I got through it. Exactly. So yes. then the next month I go and I do Citizens Bank. I do the ballpark one. And I actually don't do bad on that one at all. So, yeah. So then October comes and I go out to the Pittsburgh, Ohio, and I do a super out there, 8.7 miles. Now, that one's a little unique because I went about halfway four miles through. I'm going up a hill and I cramp. And I'm sure you've done that where you go and you cramp and it hurts mm -hmm. like hell. Oh, my yeah. God. Well, someone throws a mustard pack at me, and it does enough. It doesn't get rid of the cramp, but it uh, relieves it enough so you can at least right. do a, a trot and continue yeah. to run. And so as I'm trotting, I fall, <laughs> going downhill. Going up, I go to, Which I've also done. <laughs> yes. So I go, and I'm going to cross the stream. I fall into the stream. I've also done that. <laughs> so, yeah. And I go in another stream and I fall again under, you know, so. You had you the experience that I feel like I have a lot where it's like, if there's a place where I can fall, I'm going to fall. Here. Yeah, exactly. And probably and in front of people. So I have the inverted wall coming up and I'm almost up to climbing over because the way this ran, you had to do three laps. So this is the third time I'm doing an inverted wall, which wasn't that hard to do. It's a matter, it's more just muscle and flipping over. I get up to the top <laughs> and I cramp and I fall. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I get another mustard pack. I continue on. So now I'm coming up to the end of it. I got about a quarter mile to go and I'm going to go down the steepest hill. And by now I'm, I'm wet and all the other people wet. So now the track's getting slippery. And sure enough, I go flying all the way down the hill and I land on my right shoulder. Mm. And I'm laying there and I'm there. Did I do anything to my back? <laughs> and a girl comes up and it's, she said, did you ever have any back problems? Did you just <laughs> laugh? <laughs> yeah, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> and she's here. 
I'll go get a medic. I'm there. No, go get those guys coming down off the hill to help me up. And so they come over, they get me up, and I see I can walk, and I'm there. I'm finishing this. So I go, and I have the Atlas carry to do yet, and then jump the fire, and I'm done. So I finish them off, and I go home. But, I, you know, I was really hurt from that race. But you were determined to finish. Yeah, determined to finish. No excuses. You just do it. So now November comes, and I'm going to do a beast. And that's down Spartanburg. And that's 13 miles. Yes, 13 miles. So I go to do that one and kind of rewind at the super. I ran with the coaches group Mm -hmm. and Mark was the coach. And what happened there, the group, we had about 11, 12 people. We split into two factions and the one faction, we went ahead of them. And I kind of fell out of that group when I was falling. So I went, Mark was down in Spartanburg, so I ran with Mark again. So I'm running, and it's about two miles into it, and I have the twister. And I'm almost at the end of the twister, and I slip because I just come out of a stream. So I... Yeah, so and that's a to, that's a hanging obstacle for yes. for those who may not know. It's a it's a grip based hanging obstacle. So if it's if you're wet and slippery, it can be more challenging. Right. So I'm doing my burpees, and I get done with my burpees. I'm looking for Mark, and I don't see him, and I don't see any of the gang. So I go, okay, they must have went through the twister already. So I go running ahead. And I have the hoist next. I go and do the hoist. I have the spear. I do the spear. I don't see him anywhere. So I go ahead and I run. I keep running. And they were just taking their time. They were going really slow. So I just went ahead and, you know, took off on my own. And went through the other obstacles running. And I came up about, I think it was about mile 10. And yet had to go across the river, but there were only two slides to get down the bank. And so there was a line because people were taking their time because it was real slippery and they didn't want to fall like I fell before. So um, I'm standing there talking with a lady. And so I go into my spiel about the whole thing with the accident and stuff. <laughs> and she hands me a band, you know, an armed band. And it has um, Johnny on it. You know, it says never quit. And here Johnny was her son that had leukemia and had died at age 11. I, I think it was age 11. And so she gives these out for people to learn never to quit and stuff. So it was kind of an emotional moment with her, me, and everything about not quitting and stuff. And that kind of gave me a little burst because as soon as I got across the river, I took off. I went into a nice pace. I really got a surge of energy, and I really took off and ran and finished that uh, that course. So after that, um, doing that, what was kind of exhilarating about that race is I woke up the next morning, and I had no pain. I wasn't tired. I felt great. You could go out there and do it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And stuff. So that was, the, I think, the moment that I'm there. This is it. You know, I've reached, you know, kind of a, a, 
somewhat of a pinnacle, but it's a comfortable one to where I want to continue on. The people in the Spartan family, so to speak, I really got to know some people, very supportive all the way through with everything. So now I'm into the downtime like everybody else, and I'm continuing to try to improve my workouts, get ready for the 2019 season, because now I want to do age group. Yeah, and that's a competitive uh, yeah, division. That, that's a competitive because what they did is before it was 50 and above in mm, age. That group. was the, that was the oldest age group. It was just anybody over 50 was lumped together. Yes. And I'm there and I'm there and I can't do that. But then mm-hmm. a notice came out. They split it to 60 and above as the oldest group. And like, now I can play now. We're now we're talking. Yeah. So I went ahead and signed up for that. Well, um, what I ended up, I was having some right shoulder pain. Remember, I fell that, on my right shoulder? From that second race, yeah. Yeah, so the doctor does an x-ray and sees that uh, I have bone spurs on the clavicle at the end over the uh, rotator cuff, and I've broken some of those off. So there's floating bone fragments. And Which in the grand scheme of your life is like not a huge deal. Yeah, and not a huge deal. <laughs> and so she said, well, let's get an appointment with the surgeon for you. So I decide, you know, it's January. I created a January challenge group where we're going to do 100 push-ups. We're going to do 100 pull-ups and 100 second dead hang every day. Challenge everybody against them. We had six, six people all doing it together. I get down to about January 17th and I get down on my 96th burpee going down and uh-oh, my right shoulder gives out. Can't get back up. I can't get back up. And so the orthopedic I go to, you know, says, well, you know, you, it's really, you know, you really injured it. And so schedule the appointment for the surgeon and it's not till end of February sometime. And I'm there. That's not going to work. I got plans, man. (laughs) I got plans, right? She said, well, take it easy. And so I go back um, two weeks later to see her. And, of course, I didn't take it easy. I went back to doing pull-ups because I figured out a way I could do pull-ups without hurting too much on it. I had trouble. Yeah, sure your surgeon love that. Yeah. <laughs> and I had trouble doing the burpees with push-ups and stuff. So I kind of let those go, but I kept doing the dead hang and, and the other. And she looked at me, she said, I didn't think you would stop. Right. <laughs> sure, I know, know you, you better. You yeah, yeah, I know you too well. So then when I see the surgeon, she's there, well, what's the most important race you have this year? Well, November, I signed up for an ultra. <laughs> and an ultra is at least 30 miles. Right? Yeah, 30 yeah, miles. With obstacles. So. And, and also, I'm planning to do the trifecta world championship in Greece, mm. you know. Yeah. And yeah, so she so she said, well, you know, yeah, you need surgery. We'll get an MRI so we can see really the extent of exactly what I have to do. But we'll go and give you cortisone so that you can manage and race the rest of the year. And then we'll do surgery in December. So she gave me cortisone shot. And it hasn't worked real well, but I'm slowly getting back to working out. This past week, I'm finally getting back on the bench, doing bench presses. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm got with my push-ups, I'm down a little over halfway going down before I start hit, feeling pain. So I'm slowly working it out because I signed up for um, City in April to be my first um, competitive race. And is, that then a, I thought, is that a stadium? Stadium. Yeah, 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 it's a stadium. So I figure that's a good yeah, stay, stay three yeah. miles. That's going to yeah. be three miles short. I should be able to get through that and do okay. Then I signed up for a competitive beast at Vernon, New Jersey, the end of April. And okay. it's, it nice that you're, it's nice that, you're, that you know, your doctors and your surgeons understand you enough that it's like they could have performed the surgery early, but would you have had the patience to wait it out? You no. Know? <laughs> and you, and you, you know, you've reached a certain age, you're 66 years old and you know yourself and it's like, yeah. okay, I'm not going to wait this out. So let's see what we can do to get through this year and then have the surgery when you actually have downtime <laughs> that you were able and willing to take. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you've got, uh, you know, you, you've come a long way really in the last, gosh, you know, year or so. Um, I mean, you were, you were taking care of yourself. You discovered the nutrition side. You, you took, you know, the liver disease and the, um, hep C, you know, the, the, the recovery from that has been nothing short of miraculous really coming from just the changes in nutrition and living the active lifestyle that you have done. And then in the last year or so, you've really just gone all in on, on the Spartan thing. Yes. It's made such a difference in your life. And I, I just hear you talking about it. It's like, and now we're doing a challenge where we do 100 push-ups and 100 sit-ups yeah. or 100 squats so, and 100 pull-ups. And it's like, you're living a completely different life. Could you have even imagined, you know. A year ago? A year ago, this? two years no. ago. Could you no. imagine that? Yeah. Not at all. And for training, I do 5 and 10Ks. Yeah, that's just for training. That's yeah, just for, for, for training and fun, right? Yes, Exactly. Sundays, I take my dog out. We do a 5K. Oh, how fun. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, first of all, congratulations for just turning your life around. And and also, you know, you've had so many things happen that that some people would just look at their lives like, you know, why me? Why has this happened to me? You know, what did I do to deserve this? Like, just, just kind of fall into a dark place. And it sounds like you've managed to maintain, and maybe this wasn't this way the whole time, but you've managed to maintain a sense of humor about everything, a positive outlook. Um, and that probably gave you the ability to stay active even when things were rough. Yes. Um, and then become more active as things got better. So I, I get, I compliment you on just your ability to, to keep a positive attitude in the face of some really, really awful stuff that happened in your life. Well, I was cheated a little bit, you know, in my life uh, of in high school, you know, think of Spartan and then think what I did in high school, cross country and wrestling. And how that was, it was taken away from you. And it was taken away from me from 1970 until 2018. I mean, 48 years. It was taken away from me from being able to do competitive. So this has been a little bit of redemption and a comeback for you. Yes. And it's a matter. Yes, I can do it. And kind of for this year with the um, age group, I'm hoping I can at least get a podium in one of the races. You know, that's that's my goal. And that's a great goal. <laughs> it's my goal as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and, and with your determination, like I, I see it as a possibility for you and how great would that be, especially with your story and what you've been through just, yep. just to kind of have that, 
it's almost like a full circle thing, except I don't think, you know, even if you get a podium, you're not done. Right. Right. Because then I want to go to nationals. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're on a similar path, my friend. So let's talk a little bit about how things are for you now. Um, you're 66 years old. Yes. You have had multiple accidents. You have mm-hmm. survived uh, liver disease. You survived MS or you are surviving MS. You survived yeah. uh, hep C. Hep C. And you're and you're in your sixties. Just most people have to deal with just life in their sixties and the and right. the challenges that are, that come. But in your specific situation, being sixty six years old, having lived through all this, what type of challenges are you are you facing in your training, in your racing, um, as an older athlete and as somebody who's been through this? What type of challenges do you face? And conversely, what type of benefits are you finding you're encountering by being an older athlete by having the you know living the life you've lived? Well, one when people see me and they hear a little bit of my story, I always ask them, well, how old do you think I am? Because I don't tell them. Mm-hmm. And what, what I, answer do you typically get? Between 46 and 56. Wow. Because that's the thing that working out, eating right, and being healthy does for you and makes you look younger. And I should add that I think a lot of people, if they had been through accidents, if they have been through disease, would never think that that was possible. Like, I think there's people who who may live, may have been through this type of stuff and would look at their own life and be like, well, no one would ever think I'm younger. No one. I, I, I'm not going to be able to do these types of things that you're doing. So you're living proof that that's not necessarily the case. Right. You know, I developed a lot more muscles and everything, and that helped work with MS because before where I drop stuff, you know, a lot. <laughs> and, and, and it's a type of thing as I got more muscles there, I was able to hold on better. There was just more there for me to work with. Yeah. And even though it's not all the way there, I'm, a, that's, that's the one thing I fear on there. If I start stop working out, I'm going to have to go back to way I used to be where I would fall more and I would drop more. And you don't know how embarrassing that is to be out in public and, you know, drop your, spill your coffee, Mm -hmm. knock stuff over and everything because your nerves just don't respond right. And knowing that it happens less because you work out hard. And it was giving you independence. It was helping you be more independent. That's um, right. Through what you were going through. Right. And that's the biggest driving factor I have. The more you work out, it, it doesn't get rid of the pain. But it makes it that much less. Yeah, it helps you manage it. Yes, definitely. You learn to overcome it. Yes. And that's really what your story is about. It's about overcoming. Yes, definitely. If you fall, you know, pick yourself up and do it again. That's right. And keep doing it. Yeah, no one's going to do it for you. So before we go, you've been through so much. You have learned so much um, over the last 40 some odd years. Right. Um, I want to know if you have one parting piece of wisdom that you've learned in this life journey of yours that you've been through that you would like to share with our listeners. Oh, boy. I'm sure you have a lot, but if you could boil it down to one. That's tough. No one ever asked me for a single piece because then I usually what happens, I go into a 10 minute dissertation (laughs) with them, you know, and to bring it down to one. um, You know what it is? Don't listen to other people. That's simple. I like it. Yeah. Don't listen, you know, because, yeah, maybe some are positive, some are negative or whatever. It's up to you. Yeah. It's up to you you to do it. 
You're the only one who can make decisions in your life. That's right. And become it's that self-reliance. And it's not only good for Spartan, it's not only good for sports, it's good for life. And especially in the life that you've lived. And and Uh, (laughs) there's probably a lot of people that told you that you could or could not do a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Over the course of your life. And that that you can turn your life around. Yes. You absolutely can. You can yep. live an active life. You can live the life that you wanted to live, that you always right. wanted to live. Yes. You know, your life doesn't happen to you. Things happen to you in your life, but you make your life into what you want it to be. That's right. And that's what you have done. So um, if someone wants to learn more about you, contact you, find out more about your story, is there a way people can do that? Facebook. Yeah. Robert Ashcraft on Facebook. Okay. Um, yeah. And the trouble is I'm at the critical number of friends. <laughs> You've reached the five, the, the 5,000. I'm almost there. Last time yeah. I looked, it was 4,800 something. Oh my though. gosh. So get in while you can folks. Yeah. Hear that. Or like, <laughs> Provided you know, when this inter- when this airs. Well, yeah, because the thing they can always do is message me Yeah. on it yeah. and stuff, or they can go and join one of the groups I'm in and talk to me yeah. through the groups. And you're in, like, are you in the Spartan 4.0 group? Spartan 4.0, Spartan yeah. 5.0, I'm in Spartan Northeast. Yeah, so there's a lot of Facebook groups for Spartans in different regions. I don't know, yeah. West Coast Spartans. So if you're into Spartan racing or curious about Spartan racing, um, you could join those groups. There's uh, yes. groups for different regions and then groups for older Spartans, uh, such as you and myself. Right. Um, and so uh, it's a great way to connect with people who might be around your age or might be from where you're at, or maybe you're out there listening and you have a a somewhat similar story or you've been through some stuff and, and are looking for a way out of it. And, uh, Bob could, Bob could be a resource. (laughs) My mom died in January Mm -hmm. and she was going to be 96 in February. Her nickname was bunny. My dad nicknamed her that (laughs) early on. And so I got a hold of Dave at Legendborn, mm-hmm. and he is making up 70 jerseys. And I did the initial artwork of the bunny. I've seen it. It's adorable. Yeah. And their artist redid it to be able to put on the jersey and everything. And it has hopping obstacles on the back and stuff. So I have limited number of ones that I can give people that run with me. So if people are interested, they can contact you, Robert Ashcraft, yeah. through Facebook. Right. All right. Well, Bob, thank you so much for being on the season athlete. Uh, your story of perseverance, of determination, mm-hmm. of surviving, thriving, conquering. Oh, gosh, what else? Um, yeah. Overcoming. There's so many, so many words that can describe uh, your life, what you've been through and how you've taken control. To death um, and just, back. To death and back. And I just yeah. I just can't get enough of your sense of humor about the whole thing. Like, yeah. I just, it's so great. Like down to the Burger King story. It's like, yeah, just exactly. trying to enjoy my Whopper over here and somebody has to come and hit me with a car of course yeah so right um, they had it so their way they, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Ah, that's so good okay. so anyway um i love your story and i love your attitude about everything so i hope people can gain a bit of inspiration from that and i can't see why they wouldn't yeah. so um i hope hopefully people will re- listen and realize that there's just no excuses to get out live an active life Right. Eat well, eat clean, yes. clean water, and, and be athletic. So thank you so much again for being on the show, and hopefully I will see you at a race. Okay, very good. Take care, Robin. All right, seasoned athletes, here are a few top takeaways from Bob Ashcraft. Number one, life does not happen to you. 
There are things that happen to you in your life, but it's up to you to decide how much power these events hold in your life. If you were in Bob's position and had been through the trauma that he has been through, would you give up or would you use it as motivation to persevere? Bob chose the latter and has turned his life around in a major way in his 60s. Number two, health and fitness can keep you looking and feeling young. Now this advice is valid for anyone at any age, no matter what they've been through. But when you've been through what Bob's been through, it's more important than ever. And number three, I will repeat Bob's parting piece of wisdom. Don't listen to other people, meaning don't let others tell you what you can or cannot do. On paper, Bob shouldn't be able to train or race, and others have likely believed that he should live a more docile life. But he has chosen to not live a life that can be defined on paper and to choose his own destiny, despite everything he's been through. Ultimately, what you can or can't do can only be decided by you. Thanks again to Bob Ashcraft. Thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard on this episode is from Musical Genius or Musical Madman, who knows, Jason Achilles. Learn more about him at jasonachilles.com. Do you know someone who would make a great guest on this show? Or do you have a unique and inspirational story to share? Shoot us an email, seasonedathlete at gmail.com. Check out our entire library of episodes and get to know our distinguished seasoned athlete alumni at seasonedathlete.me. And if you live in the Los Angeles area and are feeling super inspired to train like a seasoned athlete, visit rutsm.com and learn about how to train with me to help bring out the seasoned athlete in you. Now go out there and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you so can.